So let's start in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, you created each and every one of us to serve you in a unique way. Help us to always focus on what you desire for us, and not what the world asks of us. Please always remind us that we are your sons and daughters, that everything we have is because of you. Help us to be your faithful, obedient servants, to share the love you give us with those around us. May we always speak the truth, no matter what the consequences, so that we may always share you and others may come to know and love you in a more intimate way. In your name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. So we've kind of broken this talk up into two pieces. Obviously, it's femininity and masculinity we're going to be talking about, what is authentic and what is toxic. And we pretty much decided that since I still get in trouble after 30 years of marriage, I have no idea on the femininity piece. So I'm going to give it a shot on the masculinity. But first, we're going to have Lynn Grandin come up and speak and really talk to the book that you see up here, because it really was the inspiration for this talk when we met with Leo and... Uh, and Dave and, and some other people when we came to talk about uh, what we're going to, how do we address the problems that we see in our world today and what's kind of the root cause of that. And then also what can we do now? What are the action steps we can do in our own lives to try to reverse this? So Lynn. It's really good to be here. I am a humble convert. Um, for me, Mary was at the manger for most of my life, and that was about it. And then when we thought about seriously becoming Catholic, when we were older and pretty seasoned people, my husband had been a pastor for a long time, we started talking with very fervent Catholics. And I remember the very first time that a woman said to me, do you realize how amazing and wonderful Mary is? And I went, uh, you mean Jesus's mother Mary? She's like, yeah, she, she's like the queen of heaven. And I went, but what? <laughs> she's, she said, she's the queen of heaven. And I was like, wow, <laughs> I didn't know that about her. You know, so uh, it was a real learning curve for me to learn about her and to understand the depth of who she really was and what she really accomplished and what a model she is for all of us women sitting here tonight. Am I right, ladies? Yes, yes. I, I had no idea for most of my life. And so this book has been fascinating for me to read, to realize that this interesting phrase, the anti-Mary, is something that is pervading our culture right now. So we want to kind of pick this apart for you. And it'll be really interesting for you men as well. This isn't a women's talk. This is a, a talk to understand what has happened and what is happening in our culture right now so that we can talk intelligently about this with our friends, our relatives, our associates, and our neighbors, because this is prevailing, and we cannot sit by idly and go, yeah, I guess that's what's happening. No, we all have to do something, so we're very glad that you are here tonight to 
work through this with all of us. You know, it's, it's fun to think about the very beginning of femininity with our little friend Eve, right? And um, some people comically say, women have been a mystery ever since Adam encountered Eve, right? And I remember a pastor saying one time, he said, when he saw her, he went, whoa, man. <laughs> you know, woman, right? You don't get it. You know. <sighs> Terrible. You got it. A little slow there, but yeah. But something has happened in our culture in the last 50 years. We have to call it a dark change has happened. It's been taking place in the lives of women and the men that love them. It's very sad. There's so much confusion today about what it means to be a woman, how to treat women, and how she ought to live her life. A lot of confusion about that, right, ladies? I grew up in the 70s. I did not know that in the 70s there was an interesting group of 12 women who gathered in New York and came together and they started what we now call the Women's Liberation Movement. They vowed to create a cultural revolution by destroying the American family. The American patriarchy, they, just, they wanted to destroy monogamy and they said, let's see, how can we do that? What can we attack to ruin this? And they said, we're going to promote Promiscuity. Has that happened? Yes. yes. Eroticism, prostitution, abortion, and homosexuality. They said if we hit those things hard, we can erode the culture. They've done a pretty darn good job at it. This is a really vile women's magazine. I had to look through so many covers before I could even get one that was even suitable to even put up here tonight. And a former employee that worked at Cosmopolitan said, when I worked there, what I learned began to disturb me because they said the Cosmo girl could be anything she wanted to be, but there were two things that she could not be if she was going to be glamorous, sophisticated, and cool. They were, she could not be a virgin, and she could not be a mother. Wow. So since then, what this movement has pushed is that children are the enemy because they prevent women from fulfilling their dreams. Fatalities of war were quickly dwarfed by a new kind of killing, mothers killing their own children. 60 million and counting in the United States alone. 3,000 a day is the leading cause of death in the United States. Never in history have mothers been so willing to kill their own children. We're starting this new petition gathering right now in Colorado to end late-term abortion. So I was trying to look for some ammunition, and what I found rattled me to the core. And I'm a pretty tough medical person. I worked in medicine for over 30 years. I got a printout from the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. They listed all reported induced abortions since 1967. This is our state, my friends. 
From then to 2018, the number is 528,516. That's over half a million just here in Colorado alone. We did the calculations, that's about 28 a day for 51 years. That's over 10,000 children a year that have died here in Colorado since 1967. Pretty serious. Never in history have mothers been so willing to kill their own children. You know, even back in medieval times, they knew that it was mortally damaging to the human soul to do that. Something in the mother dies, something in the father dies, something in the whole family dies as well. St. Thomas Aquinas said, good spreads itself out, but so does evil. And this grave evil is reached into every area of family life and has left our society morally threadbare. Do you all agree? Yes. Almost overnight, our once pro-life culture has become a pro-lifestyle culture, embracing everything and anything that feels good. We've all heard that horrendous phrase, if it feels good, do it. What about the morality? What about the consequences? You know, I deal with teens so often, I'm always out in the schools and and you know, we know that Planned Parenthood says to them, you can do anything you want with anybody, at any time, anywhere, with multiple partners, and nothing is gonna happen to you. They are lying. They are lying to our children. Oh, almost overnight. It's like a Colorado wildfire blowing through dry tinder. It's burning through millions and millions of women, men and children, with little or nothing to stop it. Paul Kenger's book, Takedown from Communism to Progressives, How the Left Has Sabotaged Family and Marriage, describes the political and intellectual pieces that have led to the destruction of the family. So that's a very, very good book you can reference, and we hope that you will take a look at it. It's easy to remember if you see this um, very interesting cover, so you could probably go on Amazon and find that. And don't you think it's interesting that our university students nowadays are falling so easily for something so contrary to our human nature with all of these things that are going on that are completely against nature. My husband taught in public universities for 13 years, and sometimes when he was teaching the early philosophy classes, the university would say, you know, we need your list of books, appropriate books for your class. And he would just write down Love and Responsibility by Carol Waitiwa. And they were like, oh, that sounds good, okay. <laughs> None of them knew it was really a pope. <laughs> and these innocent pagan kids would read this and they would come up to him afterwards and they'd go, Dr. Grandin, this stuff is amazing. Why have I never heard any of this in my whole life? That there's consequences to my actions. And he's going, somebody give me a gun, right? And he's just, how old are you? And you've never even heard that phrase? But it's amazing what they're teaching our kids today and that they're not catching on. So there must be something more than simple human vice behind the fact that millions of women 
have betrayed the most sacred and fundamental of relationships, that of mother and child, what is going on? I'm going to show you the creepiest women's picture I could find. <laughs> the book calls this an anti-Marian spirit. Anti-Mary. It is a real spirit, like an evil spirit, like a demon that is directed at the heart and soul of women. It is directed at the very areas where women are able to reflect the love and goodness and likeness of the Virgin Mary. Where is that? It's in their virginity and in their motherhood. The real Mary is present in our world, in our lives, and she is capable of the miraculous. She is the true model of authentic femininity and offers us her assistance through all of life's demands. She offers us the key to unlock the confusion about what it means to be a woman and what we need to do to find the true happiness that our souls crave. If Christ is the new Adam and Mary is the new Eve, then it makes sense to consider that an antichrist could have a female complement. I never thought about that prior to this book. An anti-Marian spirit that animates an entire movement and the individuals engaged in it. What might someone with an anti-Marian spirit look like? <laughs> it was hard to find this picture too, right? She would not value children. She would be bawdy, vulgar, angry, become enraged against the idea of humble obedience or self-sacrifice. She would be catty, shallow, overly sensuous, self-absorbed, manipulative, full of gossip, and self-serving. It's everything that Mary wasn't and is not. All of these things short-circuit women's greatest gifts. Have you ever thought about this, ladies? What are some of our greatest gifts? They are our wisdom, our prudence, our patience, our unflappable peace in times of trouble, our intuition. Men, you know we've got it. Our weaving societies together and making them better and more balanced. Our ability to create beautiful surroundings. You ever thought about that, ladies? We do that. The last few decades have witnessed the erasing of the Marian icon in real women. First through the pill, that's devastated our culture, followed by now legalized abortion. Few people in our culture realize that they owe a debt of gratitude to Catholicism for really showing forth in the right way that women and men in their essence are equal human beings. We're not talking about roles, but we're talking about in our worth before God the Father. And we have to remember that. What is Satan's point of entry? to women. We know it from Eve, but maybe we haven't figured it out. We'll expose it tonight. 
It is the malcontent heart. The heart that is not happy. He offered her something appealing that she didn't already have. Ouch, right women? Our culture is free to talk about the faults of men, but feminism has made conversations impossible about this. But motherhood is hardwired into a woman's soul, whether she is conscious of it or not. Women cannot throw punches for competition, so what do we do? We backstab. We manipulate. We have that I want it all mentality, especially here in America. My husband and I have worked for many years overseas, and we always come back and we're in culture shock because we're just not used to the materialism when we come back. But women nowadays think they have to have the perfect job, the perfect husband, the perfect home, the perfect children, the perfect travel schedule, perfect leisure time, perfect me time. All of that is what I'll call destabilizing to us. So we have this problem of women thinking, if I only had fill in the blank, you know, X, then I would be happy. But what we have to share with our dear friends is what that is in the female soul is actually this God-shaped hole. And it can only be filled with God. Only he can satisfy us throughout eternity. And they're just, they just have this misplaced understanding. <laughs> Even fairy tales show us the timeless vice of, what, what was the sister's vice? Come on, this is Cinderella's stepsisters. Yeah, envy. Yes, envy and jealousy. That fosters the impulse to destroy others. Women now think that if they could only have the lives that men have, then they would be happy, right? Ah, so, so mixed up. They no longer embrace the goodness that men have to offer society, which is marvelous, but they view it as an evil that must be eliminated. And women that don't share their ideas are mocked, called fools, and what's the worst one for women that like to have children? They call us rabbits, right? So y'all breed like rabbits. I'm like, I love my children. I'm happy to have my children. Many people also are calling this another word. They're using the word the Jezebel spirit. If any of you have never read Old Testament scripture, Jezebel was the queen of one of the kings, and she was probably about the most wicked woman in the Old Testament. So this Jezebel spirit, as some people are calling it now, causes confusion, intimidation, drain the opposition through arguments, refuse facts, change the subject when they prove you wrong, blame other people for your faults, use of pseudo-friendships to acquire favors and accrue power. I'm just thinking of all the television shows and movies that this is just, you know, prevailing, isn't it? Conquer the opposition, opposition pardon me, through destruction or betrayal. It's just what we see all the time. So this kind of thing proliferates and it destroys our society. What happened? The, the Russians started this before we did, right? They severed the tie between motherhood and womanhood. We've spent a lot of time in Russia, and, and women there are devastated. It's, it's really sad to watch. This is echoed by the Women's Live movement in the West several day, decades later. 
the promises of their Russian revolution that human nature can be changed melted seamlessly into the promises of the sexual revolution. These women here, you know, were told for great mother Russia, you know, give up your children and, and work all day long because it's for the great of the country and, and they're very unhappy and there's high alcoholism and lots of suicides. And, and I worked with eight different women's centers in Russia. And I'm sad to tell you, even when I was there, the average Russian woman is having six to 10 abortions in her lifetime. It's just, it's, it's a culture of despondency until they learn about faith and that there is hope for them. This false premise that animates this ideology about human nature being able to be changed is a perversion, isn't it? Any of you here 50 or older and remember Twiggy? She was a super famous model, you know, way back in the 60s. And when I first saw this picture of her, I was like, wait, is that Paul McCartney? Oh, no, no, it's, it's Twiggy, right? Because they wanted to try to see if they could change human nature. But we cannot. Every single cell in our bodies, every single cell is either male or female. Your brain is male or female. Your internal organs are male or female. They all have cells that make you male or female. The thrust behind this ideology is in order to have men and women be equal, they must be exactly the same. Any sort of difference must be overlooked. All differences in reality must be overlooked to conform to the ideology. Words and expressions used by the movement all cover up the reality of what they're talking about, right? That happens even in the medical world. I remember reading doctor's notes and they would say, the, they emptied the products of conception from the uterus. I was like, products of conception, wait a minute. That was a pregnancy, that was a baby. Why are you trying to twist the words, right? And so I, re I even remember back when all of this was starting, and even the medical world was buying into it, and some still are. But for our truth tonight, we women are vessels. We have wombs that carry and protect children. We carry in our hearts and minds the needs and being of others. The physical reality of pregnancy and childbearing is duplicated in our souls on a spiritual level. Even if a woman is not a biological mother, she still is naturally oriented toward mother, mothering others by gifting herself for the care and welfare of other people. But with contraception and abortion prevalent, women think that they can evade their innate maternal nature. Future generations will see clearly that our age was an age of terrible mothers. Women are made for motherhood, so our stewardship of life and the quality of our character can be judged by how we engage in it. Even our bodies speak to this truth. Even in our hip bones, our arms. Do you know our arms bend differently than men's arms? Because our arms bend a certain way at the elbow, so we can put that little baby right there. Bet y'all didn't know that. It's absolutely true. So even if a woman undergoes destructive surgery to transition her into being a man, a hundred years from now, if they happen to 
Dig out her grave, her bones will tell the real story. Kate Millett, a feminist author, said, we will never see equality with men if we can't prove ourselves capable, pardon me all of you here, of killing. It's imperative that you buck up and have the courage to murder the child in your own womb. This was a very famous feminist author. They argued that men's were the one, men were the ones who created the world wars, so they must be stopped using any means possible, including sex-selective abortion, to thin out their numbers. She also espoused one of children's essential rights is to express themselves sexually, probably primarily with each other, but with adults as well. The sexual freedom of children is an important part of a sexual revolution. If you don't change the social condition of children, you still have an inescapable inequality. If that's not satanic, I don't, I don't know what is. So Father George Rutler said, hostility to truth is nurtured by the love of lies. The lies of this matriarchy sound empowering and liberating, but what's never addressed is the discontent between what they present and what actually brings happiness. There is silence from them about the broken women after abortion. The career woman who later on embarrassingly says she wishes she would have had children. The extensive damage caused by the pill. Children devastated by divorce. It is the wreckage of our culture. They don't talk about peaceful, joyful, fun-loving religious sisters or very contented mothers of big families. Aren't these the best pictures ever? Don't you want to see the bottom one like five seconds later when they dump it on her? It's great, right? It's wonderful. So here's a comic reminder. Feminism gives the impression that it's the only movement that has ever given assistance to women. But long before the National Organization of Women held its first meeting, America's first large network of professional women were Catholic nuns. Boom! In the 1900s, they started and built and ran our largest private school and hospital system in the United States as nurses, teachers, and <gasps> CEOs? What? <laughs> it's true. Contrast that with the abortion industry that has been caught lying about offering mammograms all the way to selling fetal parts to outside vendors for large financial kickbacks and without even permission from their mothers. Let's all get sick, right? Feminists aren't promoting real love for womanhood, but they are furthering their distorted agenda. By the way, this is real. I did not make this up. The all-conquering female is portrayed all over media, while male virtues are trampled upon. When women are put in charge, if they are not tempered by virtue, there will be a maltreatment of men and makes them useless. It's ridiculous. So let's just go back about a thousand years and remember China. Like abortion, foot binding was foisted upon women by other women. Throughout China, 
For a thousand years they did this foot binding, partly because of women's emotional investment in the practice. It's terrible. I just wonder when our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren say to us, you, you were alive when they were doing abortions? Really? What did you do about it? And would we have to go, well, really, nothing? They'll be mortified. We cannot sit back. Remarkable and beautiful portrayals of women throughout human history have them using these holy interior capacities. Most people in our culture don't even think about kindness, humility, purity, compassion, listening skills, anticipating the needs of others, sincerity, goodness, love of God. Ladies, these virtues don't have to remain foreign to us here tonight. The world of anti-Mary is not what we are made for. Radical feminism is not who we really are. Striving to be like men isn't who we really are. Being consumed by rage, anxiety, and malice isn't who we really are. Living as if there is no God is not who we really are. Women have traded their true heart away for things that will never satisfy, that will never give true life, that will never gain them what they yearn for in the deepest layers of their soul. <clears throat> Christ and his church showing the infinite, unconditional love of God is the most powerful force on earth. This same love can transform the heart of every woman. Something beautiful that the author of The Lord of the Flies said that I had to share with you all tonight is this. He said, and I quote, Whatever you give a woman, she will make greater. If you give her sperm, she will give you a baby. If you give her a house, she'll give you a home. If you give her groceries, she'll give you a meal. If you give her a smile, she'll give you her heart. She multiplies and enlarges whatever is given to her. Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, do one thing. Go home and love your family. The saddest reality about this women's movement is that Our Lady is their true mother, and they don't know that they need her. Instead, they've chosen terrible counterfeits that can never bring love, affection, and healing, the mothering for which their hearts long for, and they don't even understand it. In the end, the desires of women's hearts are to be beautiful, to be fruitful, to have their dignity respected, and most essentially, to be known and to be loved. Mary is the perfect model of how all of these things come to pass in the one who is loved by God and who has an authentic relationship with him. Living out Catholicism offers us women all of these things. Amen.
Okay, get that connection going. <laughs> so Lynn actually had a, I did the PowerPoint, which I hate doing PowerPoints. So she's like, all right, let me show you how to use this thing, okay? So I'm gonna try not to screw it up. Hopefully I can move the little cursor. But we need to understand that men played a vital part, or we have played a vital part in where we are today, which is not a good place. And so we need to understand that being men and women, we're called to be countercultural, right? We know what we're supposed to be, but the world and TV shows, entertainment tell us something else, right? Dads are fools, we don't need dads. And you know what, we've let that happen, right? So guys can't sit back and say, well, I don't know how that happened. We have bought into the same lies that women have been trying, that have been bought into as well. And we need to stand up and say, you know what, this is enough. We need to lead our families and show what men are supposed to be like. Males and females shouldn't be battling one another, right? This isn't a rivalry. We're called to be complementary, right? We're called to unify, right? Whenever the Holy Spirit's there, there's unity. When the evil one's there, there's disunity. And that's exactly what Lynn was talking about in her presentation, right? The evil one has to divide and conquer to win. And unfortunately, I always picture the evil one sitting back on a sofa, drinking a beer because I like beer, with his feet on the coffee table saying, I can't believe these people are buying this, right? Whether it's the transgender movement, whatever it is, all he has to do is put thoughts on our head and we run with it. I mean, it's amazing how we buy this stuff hook line, hook, line, and sinker, even though we know the truth. So somehow we've, we've figured out men and women must be rivals, which anybody who lives in a family, that's a recipe for disaster, right? What kind of successful family will we have when mom and dad are just competing against each other instead of the good of the family, right? That's a train wreck. Now, this is a, a quote from Aristotle that was actually in the book, uh, The Anti-Mary, that I've really pondered and I thought it was good. The worst form of inequality is to try to make unequal things equal. You need to kind of think about that a little bit, right? There's inequality in everything. There's people of different sizes, different athletic ability, different intellectual ability, right? Things are, that's just the way it is. We've all been given special gifts. Why do we feel so compelled to want other people's gifts? Right? The Lord gave us what he gave us. How do we use that to be who he's called us to be? And the problem is the world has tell us, no, you have to be like that person, or you have to look like this, or you have to think like that. That's a bunch of BS. Right? We need to follow what the Lord tells us, not what the world tells us. So St. Catherine of Siena says, become who you are meant to be and you will set the world on fire. She didn't say, be who your neighbor is supposed to be. Be who the Lord wants you, who you, what he wants you to be. What we're supposed to be is faithful, obedient servants who love the Lord and share our gifts not try to steal somebody else's and be equal. It makes no sense, but somehow we've bought into that. Now my daughter, when she went into the convent, I remember talking to her after the first year, I said, so what was it like? She said, it was nothing like I thought. She said it was basically, they had to deprogram us as to what the world told us what we were supposed to be and remind us what Christ wants us to be. Right now, they had that ability to kind of shut the world off and do that. 
But what we see is the world is telling us something 180 degrees from what the Lord is telling us. So we need to spend time in our lives asking the Lord, who do you want me to be? Who am I supposed to be? How can I serve you? Not, hey, how can I make the most amount of money to do the least amount of work? How can I be jealous of what my neighbor has and make sure I get it? No, how can I serve you? And it really becomes, in, what does it mean to be a guy? What does it mean to be a woman? And use and understand those gifts to be who we've called us to be, to set that world on fire like St. Catherine of Siena has told us. Now, we didn't want to do a talk on Humani Vitae. We figured like three people would show up. <laughs> but we didn't want to do this talk and not talk about the dire consequences that Pope Paul VI told us about 51 years ago, right? 1968 is when we had that, right? By what's going to happen when we allow contraception, right? We're going to have actions without apparent consequences. Well, the consequences are catastrophic in what we've seen. Marital infidelity and general lowering of moral standards. We see that across the board, right? It's almost fine to cheat on your spouse, right? That's almost a badge of courage, the world will tell us, right? All it does is destroy lives and destroy families and destroy children. But somehow we've bought into the lie. You know, how many shows do we watch where that happens? Imagine if nobody watched those shows. Guess what? They wouldn't make them. Because in the end, it's about money, right? Evil wants, evil wants to perpetuate lies and they want to make money out of it. If people didn't make money out of it, do you think anybody would support abortion? Would any politician support abortion if he wasn't getting paid to promote it? Would anybody kill a baby if they weren't getting paid? They're not doing this because they have some moral standard. They're doing these things because of filthy money, right? And they're willing to perpetuate those lies for that, right? We see increase in divorce, abortion, over a half a million just in Colorado. What we need to do is let people know what is going on. You know, when all the stuff was going on about New York and Virginia, and you know, they wanted to have abortions at any stage, you know, and actually got into infanticide. I had clergy and many people here in Colorado say, geez, we can't let that happen in Colorado. And I'm like, what are you guys smoking? We're the flag bearers. We started it in 1967. So as much as I like to say ignorance is bliss sometimes, it's never an excuse, right? We have to educate ourselves so we can educate other people, right? The objectification of women, pornography. Do you know that one out of every four clicks on the internet is for pornography? Think of how many times we click on the internet. It's outrageous. The, pornog the pornographic industry makes more than all the sporting events together. And most of this is guys, not all, but the large majority is guys. We have bought into the lie, right? Remember, oh, no, it's a private sin. It's not, you're not hurting anybody. There is no such thing. When we sin, we're hurting other people. We're hurting our families. We're hurting our spouses, our children. We're objectifying someone else's daughter or mother. And this stuff is all over the place. Think about getting a kid a smartphone. You've just given him a license to the world. He or she can look at anything. 
even if you make a mistake, it's, it's horrendous where we are. But again, we have allowed ourselves to buy into the culture. What do we watch on TV? What movies do we watch? What books do we read? And we need to remind other people that when we're paying for, again, if nobody looked at pornography, there would be no business, right? It's all about the money. But we see it, and we see it in Catholic men in the equal rates as we do anybody else. It's a problem. We need to understand what the evil one is trying to do. And then again, government use would control to use for population control. China is the, is the prime example, right? And now we just have just recently this, in the last week or two, right, the big dust up between China and the NBA, right? We had LeBron James come out and try to justify China, right, who has the one-child policy. Oh, yeah, oh, by the way, we're going to let you do two to the two-child policy now. But you have to apply to be able to get a second child, right? Forced abortions, population control. Why aren't we speaking out about China? Because of the money. The NBA, I saw, I don't know, it was 20% of their income comes from China. $4 billion. Yeah, money talks, right? I mean, we can just, the root of money is everywhere we see. And we have people who give up their moral compass for a buck. Well, in the end, we will be judged, right? I don't think the Lord's going to say, hey, how big was your bank account? Were you a successful businessman? He's going to say, what kind of father were you? What kind of dad were you? What kind of husband were you? And what are we going to say? And what are we going to teach our children and our grandchildren? We need to be really on top of this because we know what kind of garbage is going on in the schools, right? House Bill 1032 passed last year. If we don't think they're going to build upon that this year, I got some ocean property I'd like to sell you. We'll talk after this is over, right? It's going to get worse. <clears throat> this is my best evil picture I could find. But what happens when we choose lies over truth? Right? Our lives are miserable. Right? We buy into a cultural lie, and then we can't understand how we got to be so miserable, and we can't find the happiness that we're looking for. We don't find the happiness in lies. Right? Any of us who are parents, kids can do a lot of things, but when they lie to us, that brings us to a boil faster than anything. Because then you can't trust them. And trust is huge. So man and woman outside a state of grace can become an icon of Satan. When we live lies, when we live a life of sin, we're modeling the evil one. The Lord's calling us to model Adam, I mean, to model Eve, I mean uh, Mary, to model Joseph. Not what we see in the world. Not the Jeffrey Epsteins of the world. Not the Gloria Steinems of the world. We're called to model saints because we're called to be saints. And living lies and living and perpetuating sin does anything but. And so masculinity, living a sinful masculinity, is what makes it toxic. Right? When we have to, we get a disease or we get a disease or we have some kind of illness, we've got to get that out before we can be healed. We can't live lives and say, well, this sin's not that bad. Or I'm not really hurting anybody with this one. We need to cleanse ourselves totally. Now we're fallen, right? We all have concupiscence, that inclination to sin. But we got to be battlers. 
right? We are the church militant. Not the church, I do whatever I want. It's the church militant. We have to be battlers. We have to be fighters. And guess what, guys? We have to lead the way. We can't abdicate and say, yeah, I don't know. You know, there's a ball game on today. I'll, I'll worry about that tomorrow. Right? It matters. Our children are watching every single move we make. Right? We know when they're little and they start saying stuff, you're like, man, I didn't even think they were paying attention. They are. They're paying attention to every single thing that we do. And when we live lives of sin and think it's okay, we're living in fantasy land. We've bought into the lies that are lead us away from Christ, right? Every time we sin, it separates us a little further from Christ to the point we don't even know how we got down that road because we thought, you know, we're just trying to be nice, right? I don't know how many times I've heard people say, well, just be nice. Well, I challenge somebody. I haven't seen the word nice in the Bible. I haven't heard Jesus say, hey, just be nice, right? He says, follow me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Don't follow ABC. Don't follow Disney. Don't follow the politicians who, by the way, we elect the collective we, right? So when we have to gripe, we have to look in the mirror. How do we put these knuckleheads in office to keep perpetuating this stuff? And that's one of the answers, right? One of the things that we can do is to educate ourselves on the issues and vote for people who support our issues. And if we don't have any, then we need to encourage people to run for office who hold our values. Because right now, you could swing a dead cat and you're not going to find a politician that holds our values. Here in Colorado, right, they'll tell you what you want to hear. Right? Well, the Republicans, well, you know what? They, they couldn't get together and come up with two plus two. They're a train wreck, and that's part of where we got today, right? Because they, they're afraid to talk about issues because, ooh, they may get bad publicity, right? We're not going to talk that marriage should be between a man and a woman, right? That homosexuality is sinful, that as Lynn said, we're either created male or female. We're either XX or XY chromosomes, right? You can't change just because your mind tells you. We need to stand up and speak the truth, right? Who is gonna, who is gonna be attracted to a watered down truth? Nobody, right? I was never a big Kool-Aid fan, but I really hated it when my mom put way too much water in there, right? Nobody wants watered down Kool-Aid. Nobody wants watered down truth. We want the truth. That is what is attractive. Not what gets spewed on TV and what we see on all the news networks. Right? I don't really care about Miley Cyrus. I don't even know who she was, and somehow she ends up on Fox News right? over stuff that means absolutely nothing. But they figure guys want to see that, so they put it on there. And guess what? I guess we're watching it because that's what we see over and over and over again. So our sad culture, both men and women, largely feel that the other has let them down. And then sadly, they're both right. We've both, we've let each other down. We've both gone on our way because we've become self-focused. Instead of selfless, we've become selfish. Broken homes, the divorce rate sky has skyrocketed. I'm going to show you a stat 
that the more times people get married, the rate of divorce even increases, right? Everybody thinks, well, if the first one doesn't work, surely the second one will work. And if the second one doesn't work, well, the third has to work, right? Well, I used to be an energy trader. The slogan was, the trend is your friend. The trend, when you see it, is not your friend. And if you can't wake up, that's a problem. And we need to wake up and we need to talk about it. We need to preach about this stuff, right? We need to hear this in our pews on a regular basis, right? Not, God lo look, God loves us. Hopefully we all know that. But I got to think he gets irritated with us when we're not sharing the truth and we're not talking about this stuff. Now, I come from Philly, so unfortunately, if it's in my head, it usually comes out my mouth, much to my wife's chagrin, right? You'd figure after 30-plus years she, that I would pick something up. She's still praying for that, you know, that miracle. But, geez, we got to say, if, it were thinking, you know, if it's bad, we got to bring it out to the light, right? The evil one wants to keep things in darkness. We need to bring things out into the light. And I get, we got young people here. We got to talk about it in schools, right? If somebody's saying a bunch of garbage, we need to call them out on it. Hey, you're a knucklehead. Now, you guys are probably don't even know what a knucklehead is. You know, meathead, we remember that from all in the family. So I'm always off on the lingo. So I'm sure there's stuff that like equates to that. Right? But in the end, we got to call it out. Right? Because silence breeds consent, right? St. Thomas More said that when they were trying to hang him. He and all of us need to speak out. He did, right? In the end, he's like, hey, this is it. What you did was wrong, king. And look at what it did to the church. When we do bad things, bad things happen. Linda Lynn was talking about consequences. I grew up in a household that my dad said, guess what? Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So just remember that. And you know what? He held true to that every time, and you'd have thought it wouldn't have taken me so many years to learn that when you do bad things, bad things happen. His other saying was, nothing good happens after midnight, so that's why you're not out after midnight. <laughs> Among other things, but I can't really bring some of that up. Uh, you know, we see, again, the contraception, abortion, youth in Asia, you know what, let's just kill it. Let's kill it, what, what do we care? Let's have sex with no consequences, right? Let's destroy the unitive factor of marriage because we want to objectify the individual. And again, guys have bought that. Think about it. Guys don't take the contraception, women do. But they're more than happy to play. They're willing to put a class one carcinogen in their loved one's body just so they can have Whatever they want with no consequences. Well, guess what? There are consequences, and we see it every day, the destruction that the pill has done to women. Psychologically and physically, it's a train wreck. But it goes on and on and on. Reproductive technology. Yeah, you know what? I'll just buy my kid, right? We'll go and we'll, we'll uh, make sure that, you know, what color hair he has, you know, how tall were his parents. This is stupid. Right? Kids are a gift. They're not a right. And when we have children, we need to raise them and teach them. And guys, we need to stand up and be an example and call things out when they're not right. Because everything we do, like I said, we're being watched. Men have a huge impact in the family. To think that, you know, you can just go to a sperm bank and everything's kosher, 
is not right. There's a good book called Truth Overruled, written by Ryan Anderson about the Supreme Court decision on same-sex marriage. I highly recommend it because in the beginning of the book, there's all kind of statistics that show how much better kids are with their biological mom and dad. Now, that's not to say situations happen and kids can't turn out right, but it just goes on and on about how kids without fathers are more likely to be juvenile delinquents, to end up in jail, to end up in poverty. How girls without their biological dad, right, have their periods sooner than guys. So it's even physiology is involved in this. I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm going to say it anyway. Right? Same-sex marriage. Do whatever makes you feel good. Transgender ideology. Pornography. Sex trafficking. Right, one of the worst places for sex tra trafficking is the tech center here in Denver. I think it's in, like in the top five. It's ridiculous, right? Anytime there's a sporting event, guys go to sporting events, guess what? That's where the sex traffickers go. The Super Bowl, the World Series, all kind of big sporting events, huge. Just ask, just ask law enforcement. Because guys are paying for this stuff. Right? We mentioned the Jeffrey Epsteins of the world. Look at all the people that he dealt with, right? From Prince Andrew to Bill Clinton to whoever. All these people knew what was going on. I don't care what they tell you. And they let it continue to happen. What was it? The objectification of women. It's terrible. But it goes on and on and on. We can't even have civil dialogue, right? If we disagree, it goes right to the nuclear option. What happened to having like a debate and actually understanding as opposed to, you know, how many swear words can I get out in the first 30 seconds, right? Let's use those as adjectives so I can get even more of them in there. That's, where, that's the world in which we live. And we see it over and over again. So this stat, and Lynn kind of criticized me because I use small print, which, you know what, I'm just like, I'm at the computer, I can see it. I'm sure somebody 50 feet away is going to be able to see it. Actually, I didn't even think of anybody 50 feet away, right? Because I was selfish just thinking of me. Which, again, my wife would concur. I'm glad she's not here. She, her head would just be nodding like the little dog in the, in the window. Right? So this is a stat of children born without a, without a father in the picture. So these are single women. So... 28, almost 29% of all white children born are born without a dad. 52% of Hispanics. 72% of African Americans. The overall average is four out of every 10 children are born without a dad in the family. Right? No consequences. I'm just going to do whatever I want. The needing cause of poverty is a single mom with her kid. So let's throw more money at this, right? Let's come up with more programs. Let's, let's create a dependency on the government because surely they know how to fix things, right? This is a place that can't even run a post office without losing billions of dollars. If you want to change the culture, you defend marriage between a man and a woman and you help foster that unity that's supposed to be there with them. Not encourage more of this stuff, right? Hey, if I have more kids, I get more money from the government. Well, that always works, 
Because we all know kids, are, there's no expense with kids, right? They're virtually free. And the older they get, the less they cost us, right? Right. How many of us have put kids through college? Yikes. Can't imagine if you got young kids now. That is what we see over and over and over again. So again, this is uh, uh, a stat on divorce. Again, very tiny, but I can read it. So the, how, many, how long do you think the average marriage lasts in the United States? How many years? Five years. Five plus three is eight. You guys are correct. <laughs> you guys worked on that, didn't you? No. All right, all right. So eight years, right? That's nothing. I told my wife when we were at St. Jones that we'd always put the number of years people have been married in the bulletin, you know, 55, 67. She goes, we ought to put ours in like for 30. I go, no way, I feel stupid. Right? I'm not even, I'm still wet behind the years. Think of eight. Right? Eight years, you're still trying to figure out, you know, can I convince her to put the toilet paper so the paper comes over the top? Right? I mean, eight years is nothing. Right? Any of us who've been married and, and battled realize how much stronger our marriages are today than they were when we were eight years in, right? We haven't seen anything. We haven't dealt with teenagers at that point, right? Or children that have gotten married and made bad decisions. I mean, you know, we wish, you know, when we're, they were younger, we used to think, oh my gosh, this is so hard. I actually had a staff member tell me that today. I'm like, you have no idea. Her kids are four and two, right? I, I'd kill for the day that my kids would come home and say, dad, I have no friends. Right? When that was the biggest problem, I'd take that all day long, right? Because the problem, as we know, when they get older, only get bigger and more expensive, right? And so that's what we see over and over and over again. And so that bottom chart that you can barely read, actually you can't because it's not even on the screen, so I'm going to have to read it for you. But again, I can read it, so what do I care, Right? So it shows how marriages, if you get married the first time, the divorce rate is like 41%, then it goes up to like 60 some percent, and then the third time you're getting divorce rate at a 70 some percent. We don't get any smarter, right? You would think if you've been married a couple times, all right, I'm gonna work out these kinks. Remember Groundhog Day, right? You got to live it over and over. Okay, I'm gonna get this just right. You know, those who, or those who uh, don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Like at some point, call it quits, right? Move on and try to focus on how to be who the Lord's calling you to be and not what the world's telling you to be. But the divorce rate, everything we see is because of selfishness. In the end, and it drives me up a wall, and I've preached on this many times, I'm surprised nobody's thrown any tomatoes at me. Maybe they're just not listening. You know, I guess the, when you're snoring, it's hard to hear what I'm saying. But when people say, you know what, all of it, you know, we just stop loving each other. You know what, that's a bunch of BS. Because guess what, love is an act of the will. So when people say they stop, it wasn't like they're a victim of circumstance, right? They were just kind of going through their day and all of a sudden, wow, this fairy dust hit them and they just decided they didn't love somebody. You choose not to love somebody. Right? It's an act of the will. We choose who we're going to love, which should be everybody. 
But when we, somebody gets divorced and say, yeah, we just kind of fell out of love, um, how about taking some responsibility, right? It's because you chose not to love that person. And that's what we see when we love ourselves more and we're self-focused, then we're not going to love other people. We're going to see them as a means to an end. Maybe it's a means to what we think is going to make us happy. Maybe it's uh, whatever it might be, means for a better job or more income. When we use people, we're treating them like an object. Each and every one of us was created with the same innate dignity by our Creator. None of us is any better or any worse than anyone else. But when we start using people, and so I'm glad you brought love and responsibility up. I mean, that's a great book. It's a great reminder of how to look outward instead of inward. You know, I don't know about you, but anytime my life starts going in arrears, which unfortunately happens way too much, and I think I try to blame all these other people. I think that's why God created mirrors, right? Because when I look in the mirror, the guy, in, the guy who's responsible for it is looking right back at me. It's me who's created the problem that, that I'm in. And we need to look and see that if we're going to find our way out, it's because we follow Jesus Christ. John 14, if we just keep remembering, you're the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. There is only his truth. And if we want eternal life, we better do what he's doing because we can have all the fun we want down here. And sometimes it gets discouraging because we think people get away with stuff, right? But in the end, there's this thing called judgment. Now, I'm going to be worried about my own, so don't get in line behind me, right? I have a lot of explaining to do. But the bottom line is we need to make sure that we take responsibility for what we've done and live our lives the way the Lord has asked. Because we will be judged on not only how we lived our lives, how did we share it? Right? Because I'm not thinking the Lord's going to be happy with, yeah, it's going to be really uncomfortable. People aren't going to like me. Well, Jesus died on the cross. He wasn't too worried about it. Right? The apostles didn't fare much better. And we see martyrs over and over again. Maybe we'll be white martyrs, maybe we'll be red martyrs, but we need to stand up for the truth at all times and we need to be an example of it, right? We gotta walk the walk and talk the talk. We can't have say one thing and do something else, right? The ultimate of hypocrisy. We need to have our actions match our words. And that's not what we're seeing. So what do we need to do? So this is actually a picture of uh, and you can see this. This is Philip Rivers, quarterback for the San Diego Chargers. I'm an Eagles fan, so if you guys are Broncos and you don't like the Chargers, you're going to have to get over it. <laughs> but he's a good, faithful Catholic husband. As you can see, he's got a couple of kids. Right? I don't know if you saw on the news, uh, it was like a couple weeks ago, they played Detroit. And all the Dominican sisters for Mary, Mother of the Eucharist were like in the front row. Who comes and like gives them high fives? He comes and gives them high fives, right? He is a guy who lives out his faith, and he's not worried about what other people say. He speaks up against abortion. He speaks up against injustice, and he says, and he talks about how men are supposed to be husbands and fathers and be leaders of their family, right? We need to live lives of virtue, not vice. 
And so what are some of them? How about being selfless, right? If we get married and think, what's in it for me? And I'm not happy, we're going the road to nowhere really fast, right? We're gonna convince ourselves this, we made a bad choice, I gotta start over again and we see how well that works, right? We need to be selfless because that's the example, right? And any of us who've put kids through college or have done things, right? There was other options we could have used for that money. Could have gone on vacation, could have done a lot of other things. But we did it because that was what was in the good of the children. Right? We sacrifice. If we look at the crucifix, Jesus, forgiveness and sacrifice ought to be a couple of things that pop right into our head. And that's what we should do as guys. Right? We got to lead by example. There's study after study that shows when men go to Mass and lead their family, the likelihood of their kids remaining faithful grows exponentially. Moms do it, that's great but the numbers are a lot less. People are looking at what dads are doing and we have a responsibility to do that. We need to be a protector. Right? Whatever happened to the days where you had to go meet the parent before you went on a date? Or if you thought about marrying somebody, you actually asked dad's permission. You didn't text them, right? Or you, know, you show up out front, hey, I'm out front, come on out. You know, you had to go knock on the door. Some of us actually remember rotary telephones, right? How many of us, when we called, dad always answered? You know, you were praying they wouldn't, but he did. And you had to talk to him, right? We got to stand up and be protectors for our children. We, if our daughters are dating somebody, we better know who it is. There is no excuse not to. And that's our responsibility. When we abdicate, bad things are going to happen, right? And we ought to grill them, right? That kid ought to be sweating in his shoes, right? When he walks out of there, he ought to felt like he just climbed Mount Everest. And if not, then we didn't do our job because that's what we're called to do. So gifts that fathers provide, and this actually came out of that book, uh, Truth Overruled, that I mentioned, right? Dads are the disciplinarians for the most part. When my daughter who was in college, one day she goes, Dad, you know what I like about you and, and Mom? And I'm like, all right, here it comes. She goes, Dad, when I needed a kick in the pants, I came to you. And when I needed a hug, I went to Mom. And I knew what I needed each one. Dads, you got to be a disciplinarian, right? There's got to be consequences to actions. We are not, for those kids that are here, we are not your friends. We are your parents. You can have all the friends you want. Our job is to teach you right from wrong and to lead by example, not be your buddy. There'll be time for that, you know, when you're changing us and cutting our toenails because we can't even bend over. <laughs> but right now, we're your parents, right? Roughhousing. I had two boys. I used to beat the crap out of them, right? Then they got bigger, and I was the only one who was getting hurt. A knee in the ribs. My wife would say, what happened? I go, I don't want to talk about it. Right? So that immediately stopped because I hate losing. But, you know, roughhouse a plane, we got to teach people how to do stuff, right? I didn't teach them how to needle point. They just stuck each other with the needles. Then my wife would have really been peeved. And then how do we teach our children to embrace life's challenges, right? If it's not hard, it's not worth it. Right? In the end, 
how many, how many of us have, when you choose the easy way, was it ever the right way? Right? In our mind, it looks pretty good. But Jesus tells us, right? We got to take the narrow road, not the wide way. And we need to teach. Look, no risk, no reward. If you think the Lord's telling you to do something, then you teach your kids to do it. Right? You're not going to get in trouble by the Lord if we think that's what we're following. But we can't be procrastinators and just keep discerning. Hey, you've been dating that guy for nine years. Uh, we're, well, we're still discerning. Baloney, right? Either you're going to get married or you're not. And you shouldn't date if you don't think that's a potential husband. If that wouldn't be somebody you want raising your kids, dads, we need to tell you, don't do it. Move on. World's full of losers. None of us want them as, in, as you know, son-in-laws. We got enough headaches. We don't want them coming for no reason. So in the end, and I got to wrap it up because I got to give Sunit once like an hour to talk, so I'm sorry. But religiosity in men clearly has a positive impact. The happiness in the family and with the men increased 17% for people who go to church and pray. By the way, pray as a family, right? Father Patrick Payton, the family that prays together stays together. And dads, guess what? You have to lead the prayer. I'm a convert. When I thought I had to do that, I was shaking in my shoes. My kids have been going to church. I had every reason in the world why not to go. And I had been married 10 years before I finally woke up. They knew all the prayers. I didn't know anything. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to think I'm an idiot. Well, I can prove that by myself, right? But we have to lead in prayer. We have to be say, you know what? We're going to pray at mealtime, before bedtime. We need to lead that because it makes a difference. Prayer unifies, right? The evil one tries to divide. He's the one that's going to be telling us, you know, it's too late. The kids don't feel good. You know, Jimmy was bad in school today. Whatever. You pray because it's what we're called to do. We're called to be men of virtue. We're called to be builders, leaders, protectors. That can de and that develops that nobility, that resourcefulness in our kids. It makes a difference. And we see in a society without that what we got, right? It's a train wreck. And we, unfortunately, the collective we, I'm sure everybody's trying to do their part, have been way too comfortable being a spectator. We need to step out, even outside of our homes, and speak up and say, hey, this is not right. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. We need to be really squeaky. The vicious men, by contrast, right, are predators. They're parasites. They prey on the vulnerable. They take advantage of people. Right? And if you're a young girl, you know, you've probably seen them in school. Right? They're in it for one thing, and they don't care a rat's behind about you or what you're thinking. Run. Or have them meet your dad. Right? How many people, uh, Uncle Buck? You remember that movie? Yeah. It was a while ago. Right? John Candy. What did he do? Yeah, right? What did he do with that guy called Bug? Right? <laughs> Duct taped him threw him in the back of his car, threatened him with an ax. Now that might be a bit extreme, but the point is, put him through the meat grinder, right? If they're worth it, they'll come out the other end. And if they're not, it'll be like all the recalled meat we read on TV all the time, right? Throw it away, get rid of it. That's what we're called to do. So live as a man of faith if you love your family. That's the bottom line. 
pretend or remind ourselves that Jesus is in that empty seat at the table. He's in that empty seat in our, in our living room. He's there. He sees everything. Read Psalm 139. We don't fake anybody out other than ourselves. So let us live lives of virtue. Let us be the men that we've been called to be and reverse what's going on in society because if we want happy, healthy families, that's the way to do it. And if we don't, then we follow what the, what the society tells us. So that wraps up my talk. And I think the plan, we're going to have Sunit come up and talk because Marisol really cares about both men and women. Right? How, do we, how do we represent and deal with both? Not just one or the other, but how do we show that dignity to both? So, sorry, Sunit, you only got 55 minutes. Can you do it? I think I can. All right, all right. told you the one thing is not to touch the mic. I didn't hear that. Oh. Feminine genius. Um, so my name is Sunit Selesky. For those of you who don't know me, um, thank you so much for having us here. I'll only take a few minutes um, and give the mic back to Deacon Jeff. No more mics. We're just going to ask. Anybody has questions, they can come up. Perfect. Anyway. These are really sensitive. Um, so I just here to talk a little bit about Marisol Health. So I am the program director of the Marisol Health Clinic just seven minutes away in Lafayette, Colorado. Um, and Marisol Health, for those of you who don't know, is a comprehensive OBGYN clinic with wraparound supportive services. So what does that mean? And I feel like the best way to kind of describe who we are and what we do um, is by telling a story of one of the beautiful clients that we got to serve in our clinic just a few weeks ago. Um, so three to four weeks ago, it was a Friday, um, and this woman had walked through the door and it was a walk-in pregnancy test. We didn't have her on the schedule for the day. And so, you know, we all kind of got ourselves ready, um, welcomed her, gave her some tea, have, had her fill out some paperwork, um, and I took her back to one of our counseling rooms. And she started talking about who she was, what brought her in, all of those things. And she shared with me um, that she already had a four-year-old son um, and her fiance had unexpectedly died a year ago um, due to a heart condition they didn't even know he had. And she found herself pregnant again. She said she had taken 10 pregnancy tests just to confirm, which I was like, okay, we're here. So she had 10 pregnancy tests, all of them were positive. Um, and she just didn't, she was beside herself. She didn't know what to do. She didn't know how she could move forward. She's like, I've already been a single mom to one four-year-old. How could I possibly do this all over again? Um, she didn't know who the father of the child was. It was between a couple different options, um, but neither of them were very desirable in her eyes. And she was trying to discern whether or not she should carry this baby to term and do this all over again or have an abortion and in her mind kind of fix the problem and move on with her life. And as we were talking with her, we were able to provide her an ultrasound um, and one of our other family development specialists, which is just a fancy way of saying social worker, eventually we got her to an appointment um, to confirm the pregnancy through an ultrasound and a medical appointment. Um, and she looks at the ultrasound, she just starts crying um, because she realized that this wasn't just another 
kid that was going to be four that was going to be a nuisance to her. She realized there was a person there. And she asked the provider and our social worker, what does an abortion actually entail? Like, what does me choosing this actually mean? And so this amazing life-affirming provider and this amazing life-affirming social worker were able to really walk through it with her and tell her what an abortion actually is. And I think it was such a shocking moment for me uh, because this is our world and it's amazing to think that people don't actually know what they're going into an appointment for. And so we start telling her what an abortion entails and what it does and the consequences of it and just the reality of the procedure itself and she just starts crying. And she says, I had no idea that that's what it was. How could anyone do that? And it was just shocking for all of us to hear someone say what we all you know, know in our minds and have heard a lot from the pulpit or what have you, but to have someone who's in the midst of crisis, who has a very scary choice to make either way, understand the reality of what this is and how this would affect her and how this would affect this person that she just saw on the screen um, was so profound and it's something that I will never forget. And I think it really speaks to the heart of our mission. So like I said, we provide dignified medical care to anyone, whether you, you know, have a stable marriage and make a lot of money and don't need you know, Medicaid or any of those sorts of things, or if you're at risk and in crisis. All of those people, one of the best things about my job is all of those people are in the waiting room together because they're all human. Um, but at the heart of our mission is really serving those who are unexpectedly pregnant. And as that patient was kind of discovering in her own life what the reality of her choice would look like and what the consequences would be and how it would affect her, it was amazing to realize that that is the heart of our mission, is to walk with these women and men and families and remind them that they're not alone in the midst of saying, God willing, yes, and if God forbid they said no, that we're still with them to be able to provide that compassion and mercy and healing. And it reminded me of this beautiful quote. There's um, a Catholic philosopher and a professor. Her name is Alice von Hildebrand. Uh, for those of you who don't know her, she's worth looking up, but she has this amazing quote, and I think it really speaks to who we are at Marisol. And she says, it is urgent for women to realize that it is a privilege to be one. And I think that's worth another repeat. It is urgent for women to realize that it is a privilege to be one. And that's not just for women, that's for men as well. But it was this amazing moment where that quote hit reality and you saw that that's what our mission is, that's who we are, is to promote the dignity of the human person and to remind these women and God willing these men and hopefully these families that life is worth saying yes to and that they're also worth being walked with not just at a pregnancy test, but throughout the course of their pregnancy, throughout the course of their gynecological care, and throughout the course of them learning what it means to be a mom, or what it means to be a dad, or is it possible to be a family? Um, and I just think that that quote and that example just really, I couldn't have done it better myself. It was just this beautiful providential melding of what Marisol Health is. And our hope is that we can reclaim the dignity of the human person in front of us, by reminding them that there is inherent dignity as being a woman. And that mom realized that. She was being protective of her child as a mother in that moment, and she was being protective of her four-year-old and protective of whatever her journey ahead looked like. Um, and to be able to realize that there are people involved in this and that as a woman, our, our privilege is to get to be a mother, whether it's a physical one or a spiritual one. And her having that reality kind of staring back at her from this black screen with this little person moving 
reminded her that there is a privilege to being a woman. And so we will, Michelle Gallegos and I will be right in the back corner um, to answer any questions you may have. But please keep us in your prayers and thank you for, for listening. All right, I don't, I don't have any more. But we'll be around if you have any questions, uh, concerns. We actually do talks on all the tough moral issues, whether it's transgender, same-sex marriage, reproductive technology, you name it. And so we're happy to do that anywhere, anytime to help educate people. So thanks, everybody, for coming on this dreary night. Thank you. Thank you.